welcome to Ad Creeps, a podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. I'm Courtney, and I'm here on the penultimate episode. Yeah? Ish. Ish. <laughs> of season two <laughs> with my friend Al. Hello, I'm also here. This is the penultimate episode in which I have to do. Yeah, this is the penultimate, like, full creep. Creep, creep. We yeah. will have a mini creep. Yeah. At the end, but uh, this is the this is my last time I have to research in 2022. Hey, we love to hear it. Oh, it's good. That's great. It's the last time I have to do my homework. <laughs> and Al, I'm very excited. I've been doing this specific homework since before we started Ad Creeps. I'm very excited. Since Ad Creeps was a little apple in our eye, <laughs> a little a little wish and hope. So this is just some some really uh, original hyperfixation. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, I do have to say, I, and I'm saying this because there has been a, currently a big podcast that just did a two-parter on this. Oh, no. <laughs> they scooped it. Um, but you know what? I don't care. They weren't trans. Yeah. <laughs> They're not me and you. And they didn't do all this research before we even started this yeah, podcast. Yeah, fuck you. You put in the work, you put out the podcast. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Well, we don't know. We don't know. We can't say, but they're not trans. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're actually in my sources because I did listen. It is delightful. And another podcast I will mention is also in my sources that inspired this. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, now, Al, I don't know if you remember the last episode I did last season. But I introduced a villain. The villain. Ooh. Do you remember? No, all I, I remember did... is Supernatural. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's in my head about last year. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm thick in it. <laughs> I'm thick in those boys. I don't know what's happening to me, but I just, I, when I'm alone, I just crave them. You're I, loving I, it. I'm You're... on season 10. I skipped seasons five through nine. That's fair. I have no idea what the fuck is happening. You're slipping and sliding around. Look, that's fine. Dean, lo- Dean fucks a dog <laughs> or wants to. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that wasn't the villain. That was my villain. What was your villain? Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, I did Mr. T's cereal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mentioned our villain. Well, I'm going to mention them again. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Nancy Reagan. Oh, no was visiting Longfellow Elementary School in Oakland, California. This is one of her first rallies that coincided with her husband's push to continue Richard Nixon's War on Drugs. The villain. The villain. The The Reagans. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I do think that the Reagans were, are the ad creeps ultimate villain. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think they're the big, the big baddie. Nancy Reagan, the throat goat. (laughs) No, do not give that title to her. While President Reagan was working on the Anti-Drug Abuse Act and pushing mandatory minimums and feeding $1.7 billion into the police force, (laughs) the First Lady's role in the campaign was designed as a walking, smiling public service announcement to target young people. The children, she believed, would be the first place to fight this war. The children are, are the future. They are. Hey, you know what? They're doing better than us. Looking, looking at how they're voting, looking at how they're living their lives. They're doing, they're doing okay. <laughs> Maybe it is the vape. Maybe it is the vape. <laughs> No. No, it can't be? I don't think so. Okay, well, maybe they're onto something. Maybe it's the access to internet. Oh, the access, well, maybe. We'll see. Maybe it's the distance away from the Reagans. (laughs) That can only help. 
During this rally, a student asked Nancy Reagan what she could do if she was offered drugs by her classmates. The first lady responded, you just say no. Oh, boy. That's a whopper. That's a whopper. (laughs) You just say no. Just say no. Um, And I will talk about my experience as an elementary and middle school teacher with this very topic. (laughs) But kids love to come up with stuff about drugs. Can I say, I feel like nothing has so well advertised the existence of drugs to potential consumers than the war on drugs. (laughs) They can do what now? Sorry, what exists and I can have it? (laughs) And it feels good? But I shouldn't. I shouldn't. But I want to. But I want to. Oh, we're going to talk about how, quote-unquote, successful this was. Oh, boy. The phrase became a powerful tool, especially when coming from an affluent white woman like Nancy Reagan. It took the nonspecific idea of drugs and paired it with a roughly defined idea of other. Drugs were, quote, presented as the consequence of collective personal failure in affected communities rather than a public health crisis for millions of Americans. Yeah, man. She did it. She did that. She did that. She, oh, she did it. The First Lady traveled the country, appearing on news, uh, talk shows, and public service announcements with her Just Say No campaign. She even frequented rehabilitation centers, passing out buttons and shaking hands on camera. That would be a great visit. Oh, here's a button. <laughs> someone's trying to get sober and someone's fucking trying to detox. Here's Nancy Reagan with a button. Awful. <laughs> Shake your hand. It feels like a fish. She's <laughs> got yeah. a cold fish. You know hand. she's got a weak handshake. Oh, for she, sure. well, it was all the quaaludes. Oh, yeah. But we'll talk about those. Oh, boy. <laughs> The following year, in 1982, Nancy Reagan partnered with the New York ad agency Needham, Harper, and Steers. Classic. Needham. Classic name. (laughs) Needham and Steers. Yeah. Mm. Oh, boy. Uh, That could be like a burger joint. It's like a John Deere slogan. Yeah. (laughs) Needham and Leave'em. To build a, quote, fully-fledged advertising offensive to combat the spread of drug use. Yeah. This is a war. Now that people know, now that little white children know drugs exist, thanks to Nancy <laughs> Reagan, they have to combat the spread. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What did we do? <laughs> through the Ad Council of America, the advertisements would get through to children, specifically ages 12 to 14. Mm. You know, those ones when they're very impressionable. Uh, through print ads, TV commercials, and after-school programs all of which would try its best to connect to tweens. Quote, school is tough enough without having to try to learn through a mind softened with drugs, reads the copy of an early Ad Council ad print. So get your education that you deserve and learn how to say no to drugs. God, this, <laughs> I gotta tell you, this shit worked on me too well. <laughs> really? Yeah. We're gonna talk about like our experiences, but oh, you, your experiences were not. I was just, I was terrified. straight edge. Oh yeah, I want to talk about straight edge. <laughs> okay. Um, a mind softened with drugs. Mm. Like I don't know, I didn't know for the longest time what that meant, but. Uh, having dipped in, into the, the pot more recently, my mind has been softened. Just like a, like a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> it's so nice. And there's a liquidly yolk, and I don't have to feel feelings. Yeah, uh, we love oh, a hard-boiled man. egg on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to crack you open. Yeah, man, school would have been great on drugs. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier. It would have been, hey, it would have been super great, both on 
prescription medication and non-prescription medication. Anything that can sort of cut the constant anxiety. <laughs> so good. And allow me to actually focus. Can you imagine? Instead of spending entire classes lining up my pencils on my desk so they were equidistant apart. Oh, man. Rather than listening to oh, what boy. the teacher was saying. <laughs> No. <laughs> Nancy Reagan made our school lives miserable, yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> Nancy Reagan had officially opened up a new front in the war on drugs in the schools and in the youth-focused media. Throughout the 80s, the Just Say No campaign rained down on the airwaves with PSAs. The messaging even itself weaseled its way into programming, like children's Yeah, programming, it sure did. With very special episodes of shows like Punky Brewster and Different Strokes. Mm. Nancy Reagan even teamed up with Clint Eastwood in a series of movie trailers that warned kids about the dangers of cocaine. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I really want Clint Eastwood to lecture me about cocaine. <laughs> Just thinking about him and his chair at that Republican <laughs> National Convention. Cocaine had to be involved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Clint Eastwood was like, not for you children, only for me. <laughs> this is how I'm going to get through the 80s. Don't you want these kids to go to Wall Street? Ugh. Start them early. No. <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson recorded a Just Say No version of Beat It that aired... On the Flintstones Kids. I think I remember that Do you remember song. <laughs> it's in my sources. Beat the drugs. Just beat, beat them. It, beat the drugs. Yeah. Just say no. And it's the little, it's not the Flintstones. It's the Flintstones Kids oh when they're God. all very little. <laughs> uh, the 1987 Los Angeles Lakers even released their own Just Say No rap. Oh, boy. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, my brother. That man rules, though. <laughs> Magic Johnson, you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Just say no. Like... Here's the thing. This is what's buck wild. Nancy Reagan and all these people who are like, just say no kids. They are on so many drugs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They are on so many drugs. Are you telling me Michael? We know Michael Jackson was on drugs. We know all these people are on drugs. Yeah. Intimately. But it's okay for them. It's okay for them. They're affluent. Yeah. It's not okay for us. Non-affluent people. <laughs> or children. Or children. By the time Reagan left office in 1989, the First Lady had given more than 1,200 media interviews, delivered 49 speeches, pushed 12,000 Just Say No clubs around America, and motivated 5 million people to join Just Say No marches in 700 cities. Are you telling me she's not doing this without, like, uppers? What's wild is, like, not only were these people all on drugs, obviously, obviously. but also the U.S. government was working with drug cartels to... Bring drugs into America? And install people in, you know, other states. <sighs> it's almost like they're trying to keep themselves in business. Yes, one might say. <laughs> we told you there's a drug problem. We made it. We made it your problem. This wave of anti-drug fever spiraled out into the community, more specifically into local police stations. The amount of grant money and funding for anti-drug programs was reaching an all-time high. So cops, of course, just couldn't help but dip their hands in. Yeah. In 1986, hey, good year, the chief of Los Angeles Police Department, Daryl Gates, partnered with the L.A. School District to start the Drug Abuse Resistance Education Program. Oh, boy. Here we are, folks. <laughs> oh, no. DARE, which still exists today. Oh, boy. Puts local police officers into schools to, quote, teach about drug use, gang membership, and violence. Students, quote, learn about the dangers of substance abuse and are required to take a pledge 
to stay away from drugs and gangs. I took I took a dare pledge. Did you? Is that is that what started your straight edge journey? Um, no, it was the desire to be perfect in every way, <laughs> to sort of combat my own internal non perfection. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tell it, yeah. Tell, uh, you went through the dare program. Well, we there was like a dare conference that you could go to. What? So you got to like leave school and get a T-shirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it was at like a local hotel. It was at a hotel. Well, we we didn't have nice hotels, so don't get too okay, excited. Okay. Like the, um, the Marriott. <laughs> we didn't have a Marriott. Okay. Okay. Uh, we didn't have any branded hotels. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we went to this hotel and. Um, I don't remember anything that happened. I just remember the t-shirt. You remember the t-shirt. The t-shirts were slamming. Yeah. I don't know about yours. Mine was like neon. Like it was black, but the dare letters were in like bright neon. I fucking loved it. Mine was white with red letters. But that's very, very, very common too. Yeah. I did dare in the States. Um, I also had dare in the elementary school and middle school that I worked at. (laughs) A cop came into my classroom. Oh, awful. Um, But it was required. I worked at a Muslim school. Uh, They required it every year and my first year teaching grade five this officer came in young young guy um i felt bad i felt bad for him at the time because my kids were awful (laughs) like asking questions like this is what happens with kids in dare they're like they get dare they go through the program and then they just think kids in high school are gonna force them like feed them absolutely that's what i thought and they were convinced and i had to talk them down i like kids Drugs are expensive. No one's going to, like, give them to you if you don't want them. This is not how it works. They did not believe me. Oh, I, I absolutely thought I was going to get to high school and people yeah. were going to be like, hey, smoke this joint or we're going to beat you be up. Mean to you. Yeah. <laughs> this is what the kid, this is what Dare does. He gives kids complexes. But the, the, the thing that I got to break this cop was... He did a whole thing on pot. And back then it wasn't legal. Yeah. But I had a little boy um, whose dad was going through cancer treatments. Mm-hmm. And he had a, he told me, the kid told me, hey, my dad, I don't understand. This cop is talking about how pot is bad. My, but my dad yeah. uses pot to help his chemo treatments. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go to the cop. I'm like, you can't talk about marijuana in this way. You're really upsetting this kid. And the cop's mind was like, but... <laughs> but but it's part of the program. I'm like, no, you can't. Like, please don't. Because you're really upsetting. Like, pot is used for, like, there's a legal ways you can use it at that time. And yeah. it helps a lot of people. You can't. Please don't. <laughs> so we stuck with gang violence. <laughs> oh, boy. We stuck with gang violence. Also, did you know in D.A.R.E. cops bring, like, this is what the drug looks like? Like little samples into your classroom. Oh my god, <laughs> I did not. This is what meth that. looks like, kids. Wow. Right. <laughs> oh boy. Just cocaine in the classroom. It's fine. It's uh, fine. We didn't. I don't think we talked about gang violence at all. No. In my dare, uh, presumably because the only like gang related activity in my small town would have been white supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> who, as we all know, the cops oh support. Same. Yeah, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This runs true because in my D.A.R.E. program, it was the same thing. It was just like fucking white Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Literally Ku Klux Klan in my neighborhood. But it's interesting, in the school I taught in, it was mostly about gang violence because all my kids were not white. 
and yep. we, and we were in Richmond. So, yeah. hmm, interesting. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> I told my kids they didn't have to take the pledge. Good, good, good. <laughs> you know what? Listen, you do what you got to do. They love the t-shirts, though. <laughs> Everyone loves a free t-shirt. There's nothing you can do about that. That dare officer never came back to my school, and instead I replaced the program with one where young hockey guys came in and talked about, like, like leadership and stuff. Oh, and the sick. Kids, the kids like that much better. Because <laughs> we got to go to a hockey game. Oh, yeah. Obviously. And I love bringing just, just like, spry young hockey gentlemen in their little suits. Hey, nothing wrong with that, <laughs> man. Fucking... Put a little eye candy while you're on the job. <laughs> it was the Vancouver Giants oh program. God. It was so good. So much. Hey, hockey players, so much better than cops. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, the program and the police officers' messages during the program are kept vague and simplistic. They tend to group everything from alcohol to meth into one scary monster that looms in every child's school and neighborhood. Yeah. The end result of such programs was that impressionable young adults came away believing that drugs were a defect rather than a symptom, mm-hmm. a moral failure rather than a society or governmental one. They got me, man. They got they you. They got me. Do you want to talk about your straight edge situation? Uh, well, I mean, it's just, you know, I just like didn't, I didn't want to do any drugs or drink any alcohol because mm-hmm. it was bad. It was bad if you did that. If you did that, you were bad. Yeah. And I was good. Very, I had to prove it. You had to be good. I had to be so good. Is it because you felt bad? Um, it's because you you wanted to be good, so you felt bad. Is that what? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's because I knew internally there was something wrong with me. Oh, okay. So you had to be hyper good. I had to be hyper good, yeah. and also like because I had such a severe anxiety disorder, I um, had a great deal of anxiety personally around taking anything that would alter my mind state. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But which I mean, that's you know, that's a personal choice. But when you start to push it on other people and say yeah. like, "Oh, these kids are bad because they're drinking alcohol," and I'll never be <laughs> oh. like them. That's a whole other thing. Oh, you were a snitch. I was. Well, I, I don't think I was a snitch, oh, but I was good. certainly not approving of others' choices. And when did you clue? Like, when did you drop that? In in university. Yeah, university. You're yeah. like, oh. People are drinking, they're cool. Exactly. <laughs> what university was the, when I got to the point of like, this isn't for me, but yeah. I don't give a shit what anybody else does. I cannot wait to tell you about the father of Straight Edge. We're going to talk about oh him. Oh my God. Well, yeah. now to be fair, yeah. my boyfriend in high school, not the good one, if you're listening, <laughs> I did. We rate, we rate Al's boyfriends on this podcast. <laughs> in this podcast, we rate Al's boyfriends. Um, uh, uh, one, of, one of my high school boyfriends did tell me I was not punk enough to be Straight Edge. Wow. Which has haunted me to this day. I still think about it often. Anyways, he is married with children. So. (laughs) Who's not punk enough now, bitch? Yeah. Uh, Oh, you like the system. (laughs) (laughs) You're part of it. I often think about my old boyfriends and how many of them are actually gay. And I'm like, oh, it makes sense that we were really into each other. It just took a while. Yeah, it's just, you gotta get, like, full circle. Also, like, there's this thing of, like, I think, I was thinking about how, like, my crushes on boys were, like, very furtive. Yeah. Uh, and, like, <laughs> ooh. But then what if I had a crush on a girl, it was very straightforward. That's true. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Look, you'll never... You know, I talked about the other podcast talking about this subject. They don't talk about they're, shit like they're this. They're not going to talk about this. <laughs> they don't talk about this. <laughs> um, Dare is implemented. Uh, get, uh, tell me, what percentage do you think cr- today, currently in the United States? And is Canada? it implemented in schools? Yeah. 81? 75. 
so close. So fucking close. Yeah. And it's, again, it's a free program. And usually when the program's in the school, it they continue it. Yeah. Um, unless you're me. Where I'm you like, say, no, thank you. Anymore. Please don't come anymore. You Leave made my children alone. upset. Aww. You made, they late. They made my life a living hell because these cops come in and they're like, drugs are bad. And if you do them, like, you're going to be asked, just say no. And then for the next seven months, you have kids who are like, Ugh, high school, they're going to make me, they're going to shoot meth into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> but what, but what if? Like, I just oh wanted boy. to sling these kids out the window. <laughs> hey, but Al. Yeah. Before Dare. Before Nancy Reagan. <gasps> And her children based war on drugs. Before Michael Jackson on Flintstone's kids, there was one figure who took on the mantle of just saying no. He had a trench coat and a growl. Oh, yes. And a no-nonsense attitude like his inspiration, Columbo. This is the man to me. He was also a dog. (laughs) McGruff, the crime dog. He's here. was born out of a partnership through the American Ad Council and the National Crime Prevention Council. He debuted in Jimmy Carter's America through public service announcements created to educate citizens on personal safety measures. McGrath would tell you to lock your doors, put lights on timers while you're on vacation, which my family fucking swears by, (laughs) and organize neighborhood watch organizations in your community. He was not, when he started, it was not about drugs. It was just like safety safety stuff. By mid-1981, more than $100 million worth of time and space had been provided by the American Ad Council, which is a nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, They're the ones who did the Crying Native, by the way. Yeah, Yeah. I I believe that's true. Um, Well, it is true. (laughs) I, I did a I did a podcast I on it. Meant, what I think I was trying to say was I remember yeah. that. Uh, they're, so they're a nonprofit org through the American like an NGO, um, and they did Crying Native. They did uh, Smokey the Bear. Yeah. They do. Um, we're going to talk about. I have a book about them by Ooh. basically, and I'm making my way through it. Excellent. <laughs> the book that I it's in my sources. It's called um, How McGruff and a Crying Native Changed America. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's very good. So by 1981, more than $100 million worth of time and space had been provided by the American Ad Council, making it the largest campaign that the Ad Council had ever donated. Over 1 million free McGruff booklets were (laughs) distributed with another 250,000 purchased by consumers. So you could uh, write in to get... Or McGruff would, like, cops would have pamphlets and stuff um, about how to keep your neighborhood safe, but also you could write in and get, like, a booklet. And again, it wasn't necessarily based just for kids it was more of a like be aware sort of thing uh by the end of 1981 over 50 percent of americans had seen at least one mcgruff advertisement while one third reported they have seen an advertisement more than 10 times (laughs) so we grew up in this era yeah this guy was everywhere did you did you see mcgruff on tv pretty pretty sure i did like because on cable channels we would get from washington and stuff we were in the era of scruff mcgruff his nephew. Do you remember Scruff? No. <laughs> was he like the, the scrappy dude? Yeah, he was like the scrappy dude. <laughs> okay. This is, I'm going to talk about McGruff getting into more with kids. Yeah. McGruff really hit his stride during Nancy Reagan's Just Say No oh. era. After a pitch from a Christian puppet entertainment company, the Ad Council commissioned the McGruff Elementary School Puppet Program. Wow. Uh, if you want to hear more about this, there is a two-part series on Decoder Ring by Slate about specifically this okay. uh, puppet program. 
teachers would be given anti-drug lesson plans, a McGruff puppet, (laughs) and a cassette full of songs. Teachers would then be instructed to make the puppet sing to the students while the cassette played. Oh, I feel haunted. (laughs) This never happened to me, but I I feel haunted. This is is, um, kind of, it was a little bit too early for us. Yeah. But, oh my God. Can you imagine? As a teacher, as a teacher, are you fucking kidding me? I think anytime a puppet was involved in my education, I found it extremely distasteful. (laughs) And the only Scary, one I can right? actually think of is the, like, don't touch me there, yeah, puppet. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. the de- don't touch me there, puppet. I've had bad, bad reactions to puppets. Yeah. Um, but the album, Al, I want to talk to you just briefly. Okay. And I'm going to let you listen to a sample. Oh, okay. The album, McGruff's Smart Kids, <laughs> is a technical achievement. In the weird Al Yankovic sort of way. Oh, my God. Each song specifically talks about why kids shouldn't do a specific type of drug. What? But in a popular music genre of the 1980s. So this is a kid's bop. For example, a song about the dangers of inhalants that sounds like New Order. Oh, my God. Or my personal favorite, and I'll put it in here, and you have to listen to it. A song about alcohol in the style of Steely Dan. (laughs) Now, New Order, listening to New Order does make me want to do inhalants. So that is... <laughs> I know, it's very ironic, hey? <laughs> interesting. Can I play you a slice of... Please. Uh, McGruff's alcohol? I feel like it should have been in the style of Jimmy Buffett. so good and what's wild is like in a way that's not dissimilar but also not similar to the kid that you're talking about that you taught while these kids these classfuls of kids are getting these songs about like the dangers of of alcohol a lot of them are living with alcoholism in their families absolutely and like the way that that you know shifts their perspective onto their own family is fucked up it's absolutely, it's so, this has fucked up so many kids. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention, and again, so two podcasts, again, I mentioned Slate's uh, Decoder Ring that did two-part episode on Smart Kids. There's also a podcast, The Ride, where they go through just this album and they oh, go wow. through all the songs. And that was like, I guess, two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. And Mike, one of the guys rewrites songs oh wow mcgruff songs for today including a anti-vapes one it's perfect (laughs) but the decoder ring mentions how this album was inspirational and the the um way these songs are laid out is inspirational to the straight edge punk scene oh interesting because it follows the same pattern where you have like an anti substance abuse message mm-hmm. and then McGruff like breaks it down like he talks to the he's a breakdown yeah he talks to the audience very much like straight edge punk so it was wow. very in- yeah this is this 
album inspired a whole generation. McGruff is my dad? <laughs> no, he's a cop. Yeah, no. That's the only thing I don't like about McGruff is he's that he's a, a cop. cop. But he's like, here's the thing. I really like Columbo. He's got the Columbo swag. Oh. You know, you, they, what are you supposed to do about that? Uh, <laughs> by 1988, an estimated 99% of children aged 6 to 12 recognized McGruff, putting him up there with Ronald McDonald and Santa Claus. Wow. Uh, more than Jesus, by the way. What? <laughs> well, it's hard to recognize it's Jesus hard to recognize. because you see all these pictures of him. He's white, white as hell. What are you going to do? That's not <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he made appearances on TV, the Macy Day Parade. He was a big inflatable. And made thousands of personal appearances as local police stations snapped up ad council mascot suits. Wow. So how effective were Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan's cuck, McGruff the Dog? Scientific America found these programs, quote, did little or nothing to combat <laughs> substance abuse and use in youths. Studies have shown that teens were equally as likely to try drugs if they had been through a Darren McGruff program as if they had not been. Certain demographics, like teen girls, were actually more likely to try <laughs> drugs. The girlies. Yeah. The girlies are doing it right. The girlies are getting into it. <laughs> this is, a again, it's in my sources, this is a big breakdown by Scientific American uh, yeah. that said, hey, this fucking doesn't work. Wow, you taught kids what drugs are. Good work. <laughs> And the songs are good. It makes me want to get high and listen to them. <laughs> did I get a little high and listen to the Smart Kids album last night? I sure did, brother. <laughs> Boy. Come, oh, Come arrest me, McGruff. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> In the 1990s, McGruff began to fade out as the National Crime Prevention Council began to be more concerned with something else in schools. Gun violence. The Ad Council wasn't so sure a cartoon dog was a good fit with preventing mass shootings. So their dog was relegated back to the minor leagues. He can still be seen in Ad Council videos, but is more concerned with things like counterfeit batteries and various internet crimes. They backbenched him. Oh, yeah. And I guess kids don't know who Columbo is anymore. They could have just, you know, used McGruff in the, in the gun violence and called it, like, the old yeller <laughs> <laughs> program. <laughs> Um, the Where the Red Fern Grows an program. Anti-gun <laughs> oh, no. um, anti violence ads are some of the most triggering oh, ads yeah. I've ever. Like, oh, as a teacher, horrible. I cannot. But I think McGrook would actually make it better. Yeah, I think he <laughs> I would. Think he, I think he'd be there. I think he'd be Ruff, I'm a dog. Don't use guns. <laughs> That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> Nancy Reagan's legacy can still be seen today in zero-tolerance policies, drug-free zones, cops in schools, stop and frisk, and cities spending upwards of $400,000 on public toilets designed to discourage drug use. But we, the ad creeps, should remember Nancy Reagan in a different way. More specifically, the fact that while her husband incarcerated millions for petty drug charges and she bemoaned to suburban white kids about pot... Nancy subsided solely on uppers and downers. Mm. Quote, her use of these drugs was serious enough to become a worry, White House Deputy Chief of Staff Michael Deaver reported. The staff doctors became even more worried when Nancy went through incredibly serious withdrawal symptoms anytime they would try to wean her off. Daughter Patty Davis admitted that her mother was, quote, dependent on prescription drugs, but also stopped short of calling her an addict. Hmm. Patty also remembers stealing tranquilizers, Valium, and Quaaludes from her mother's bathroom. Quote, the Just Say No campaign was a subconscious cry for help, Patty wrote in her autobiography. 
McGruff and Nancy Reagan and the D.A.R.E. programs create an alarmist and damaging image of what illegal, quote, drug uses are and are not. This child-friendly arm has been used to justify and perpetuate a war on drugs with racially and economically disproportionate targets. So remember, just say no to cops and especially dog cops. <laughs> Imagine ruining a whole generation with your cry for help. <laughs> It's what gay senators are doing now, actually, <laughs> yeah. like in the closet. Senators yeah. are doing currently right now. <laughs> so I have, I ha we're going to watch um, some of the first uh, McGruff ads. If you want to see the McGruff ads, you can go into our sources. Who? We'll return after these messages. Hey, McGruff here. See that guy? He's stealing that bike. Now, see that lady? Bike theft. She's calling the cops. This is Mimi Marth, part of the Eyes and Ears Patrol of Hartford, Connecticut. There's 126 of regular people like you and me working together against crime. Here's another one, Albert Bell. Yesterday, it was his turn to patrol. Halfway down a block, Albert sees a strange man nosing around a Barnett's basement window. Gray jacket. So Albert calls the cops fast. And the cops pick the guy up fast. Way to go, Albert. You know, when it comes to preventing crime, people like Mamie and Albert really make a difference. So could a person like you. Find out more. Write to Box 6600, Rockville, Maryland, and help uh, take a bite out of crime. Welcome back to the show. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> we both had like a sexual, like, yeah, well, weird he's just thing. Like a full Columbo riff. Yeah, off. he is. He's not inspired by no, Columbo. No, he he's full, full Columbo. Um, in the book uh, that I mentioned about um, how McGruff and the Crying Native changed America, they talk about the creation, and it was like a, a, a contest within the Ad Council. Oh, yeah. There was, like, they were going to make him a uh, fucking bulldog named Sherlock Bones. <laughs> that was too goofy. <laughs> but they went they went more Columbo, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You want to describe the... Um, yeah. The so, the McGruff is there. He's animated. Yeah. Uh, everything else is live action. We see, he's like, see that man over there? And we pan <laughs> over to a guy putting a bicycle in a van. He's like, well, that guy's stealing a bicycle. Okay, well, you're not doing anything about him, McGruff. <laughs> it's not my job. <laughs> and then he pans over to a very old woman on a walkie-talkie. <laughs> With the biggest walkie-talkie available. <laughs> the original Karen. And she's calling the cops on this guy that's stealing a bike yeah and then mcgruff's like that's great to me <laughs> and then they, he's there's another man named albert yeah. who's walking down with his walking down the street with his giant walkie-talkie and he sees a man trying to break into a basement window <laughs> albert calls the cops yeah and the cops come and frisk the man <laughs> the cops come very quickly and th they do a thorough frisking <laughs> On camera. Yeah. And McGruff's like, yeah. <laughs> and McGruff says, it's a citizen's job to, to make sure that the cops are able to come and protect property. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> McGruff's really high into this, into the Truly neighborhood walk. Both of these crimes were property crimes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, uh, so this is during McGruff's like pre-drug, pre-Nancy Reagan yeah. era, where it's more like, hey, general crime, general crime, make the cops' lives easier, <laughs> call them. 
when someone is suspicious. Oh, God. Uh, and then, yeah, you get your classic take a bite out of crime. Yeah, take a bite out of crime. Take a big bite out of it. And that, and you and I were like, ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh. I remember this. Oh. <laughs> I kind of want a T-shirt. <laughs> I kind of want to do, uh, Al, uh, I kind of no, want a t-shirt. No, uh, no. Uh, it's propaganda, oh, Courtney. No. I can't, I'm so confused. You're falling for it. Uh, did I tell you that my neighborhood have a neighborhood watch? No. Uh, yeah, we have a neighborhood watch. There's a lot of emails <laughs> about people. So it's just sort of nextdoor.com. It is nextdoor.com, but it's in my mailbox. God. Uh, we actually um, had a lot of catalytic converters getting stolen. Yeah. Um, and the... <laughs> I saw, um, so they're like, what are we going to do? So they hired like a security guy and it was just a lot. And meanwhile, I was shopping on the Etsy and I saw a bumper sticker that said, don't steal my catalytic converter or I will kill myself. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And I'm like, that's preventative. I like that. (laughs) I'm going to stop crime with emotional manipulation. (laughs) I love it. Wow. Yeah, it was someone from L.A., man, who were making those. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, Neighborhood Watches. It's just a bunch of fucking... Narcs. Narcs. Talking about how so-and-so is smoking too much pot outside the house. There was... Okay. Speaking of bicycle theft. Yeah. When I lived, like, right on a very busy Main Street. Yeah. Called Main Street. Um, <laughs> oh, that one? I came home one day to a, a cop hunched in my garden. No. Uh, and they were... What they were doing was they were uh, doing a sting operation. No! The house across the street that was apparently the center of a bicycle theft ring. <laughs> That's like a children's uh, young adult novel. I know. I That's came really home. There's cool. a cop hunched in my oh garden. Oh, my God. She's you like, can... just go inside. Oh, my God. I went inside. My roommate, when my roommate came home, she's like, I'm going to go ask that cop for some ID. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, yeah, I guess went out and uh, got into a, a heated conversation with the cop about whether or not they had ID. And they're like, "I'm doing a sting operation." I'm There's doing also a another one, like in a tree. In it a was tree? wild. There's cops in your trees. There's cops in our trees. Yeah. It's just autumn is getting real wild. <laughs> I would be like, I would just break their sting operation. I would just talk very loud. <laughs> <laughs> Should have just gone over the house like, "Oh, cops are watching you." Ah, uh, McGruff is still around. He's kind of not, you know, they've kind of slotted him in the back. Yeah. But he's still around. It's 2022. It's 2022. That's what I hear. Yeah. I think, there's, I think they're updating McGruff. Are they? Uh, to be more like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine character. No! <laughs> Modern cop again. Oh, like goofy. He's like a goofy, like, like Jake goofy. Peralta type. Oh, no! Yeah. With a leather jacket. Yeah. And he's like a cool, I'm not a like regular cop i'm a cool cop i'm a cool cop <laughs> you know folks Brooklyn 99 got me for the longest time and then i actually had to sit with my feelings i'm like i can't keep watching yeah. this i absolutely cannot we yeah. love we love all these characters but this is not how it is yeah absolutely it's not the, this like, diverse i think that the, the breaking point for a lot of people came when they started like doing flips to try and and um be like inclusive and represent diversity and all the kind of stuff that a lot of tv shows are trying to do these yeah. days but then you know to come up against the fact that it is a cop show yeah it's a cop show and it's not that diverse <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not having a black male gay man being a, the chief of your fucking police yeah <sighs> so um, what would what so, would mcgruff <laughs> Cool McGruff. Cool McGruff. Um, oh, no. So basically, we Cool McGruff is like hanging out. He's sipping a latte. He, yeah, he's got a flat white. Uh, oh That's rude. I love flat whites. <laughs> I Fuck me. Oh no. 
He's sipping a flat white, and then uh, in the background behind him, which he's not reacting to at all, yeah. is like a hate crime happening. <laughs> like a gay person is just being like, <laughs> just, fucking just something bad. Taken out of a steam just room and beaten. Being absolutely curb stomped. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, see that? And it pans over <laughs> to the same man stealing the bicycle um, from exact, <laughs> the exact footage from <laughs> this commercial. He's like, that man's stealing a bike, and that's a crime. <laughs> There's just violence throughout this commercial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like a protest being fought, protest fucking being beaten. But all McGruff is talking about is like <laughs> that belongs to somebody. That belongs. And someone else is trying to take it. That and makes, that's property. That makes people sad. My job is to defend that property, not the people. I'm actually, and this is true, not a, legally responsible for what happens to people. <laughs> See that? This is a mass shooting. I don't need to fucking go in there. Do you hear the children screaming? I don't. He puts in the earbuds. <laughs> Fuck me. But this guy found a wallet on the sidewalk. He's keeping it. We can't have that. Folks. This bank's, uh, an indigenous person went into this bank and is starting to question their policies. I'll arrest them. <laughs> this teenager stole a bottle of nail polish from a Target. Can't have that. <laughs> My profits. My corporate profits. I like this new cool McGruff because then I don't want to bang him. Yeah, that's ideal. That's what we want. We cause the thing about Columbo is Damn. Damn. <laughs> Just one more thing. Oh really? <laughs> what is it, sir? Oh, uh, just the facts, ma'am. Was that him too? Yeah. 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 Oh. Thank you. That made me feel better. Good. I'm glad. I'm uh, glad I could help. Yeah. I'm so glad I got that monkey off my back. Yeah. You really needed to, I like, needed to let yeah. it go. Yeah. Uh, like Elsa, you know? Yeah. I will recommend everyone listen to the Smart Kids album. I think it's on Spotify and get really high. I'm going to do that tonight. It's good. It's so good. It's so fucking good, dude. It'll blow your mind. Wow. If you can sync it to The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> You can sink it to Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to do that tonight. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, okay, do you have something else that will make me feel real good? I do. I have a local ad that I've been saving really? forever. Wow. And it's an ab- it absolutely rips, and I'm okay. so excited to show it to Give you. Give it to me. So this is a local ad from Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire. Hmm. <gasps> So this uh, this is one of those ads uh, that has sort of reached mimetic status in Cote d'Ivoire. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. Super Timor. Super Timor. It's a bug spray. Obviously. It's fort. It's fort. Uh, <laughs> the, the ad is in French. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's very clear what's happening here, folks. Absolutely. You have just three three guys, three buddies, and this, they got some skeeters. They got some skeeters. But they rhythmically... <laughs> they very ryth- they do in coordinatedly rhythmically it, slap them. Is this 
the origins of the basement gang? Could be. <laughs> Where you just got three guys hanging out dancing. And then you got one cool guy coming in oh, with a solution to all their problems. Can I tell you the the pants on these men? Yeah, the, the fashion. It was very good. Very good. Mm, the collars. Yeah. Collars good. Song very good. The song, yeah, the song is an absolute bop. Super Timon. <laughs> Super Timon. Oh, yes. Absolutely. That is a good one. Very Thank you. Good, yeah. That's... I love how that music is just as cool as, if not cooler, than Smart Kids. I think it's maybe cooler, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. You're talking about killing insects rather than... We can all get on board with that. Yeah, we can. We That's not cop again. <laughs> Thank you. You are welcome. Um, we are winding down our um, episodes, our season. Yeah. But, of course, we would love it if over the winter break you could email us your ad creeps your local ads adcreeps at gmail.com and we'll collect them over the winter like a squirrel like a squirrel uh, and we'll uh, burst them all over we'll open them up in 2023 we'll hide them all away in our tree and then come season three we'll nut because <laughs> there's no nut november now yeah it is yeah it is yeah oopsie daisy uh i lost pretty <laughs> pretty quickly no one's gonna, the man's not gonna keep me down <laughs> um so yeah, if you got some, if you got some of that good shit, uh, add creeps at gmail.com. Be our, be our dealer. Yes. <laughs> Tell us some local ads. Yeah. Uh, and if you've enjoyed these past two seasons, hey, maybe write us a little review. We yeah. would love that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. So you can also find us on Twitter at yep. ad creeps for as long as that exists. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this is real wild. Hey, can I say we're just going to talk about it? Seeing corporations just get sh- just massacred by the people. It's oh. great. It's, mm. For $8, you can ruin someone's stock. It's <laughs> fantastic. So good. We never dreamed of such a world. No. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay, until next time. We, we are signing, signing off. But first, a word for my spouse. Listen to me. What's your best McGruff? Hey, kids. <gasps> wow. Say take a bite out of crime. Take a bite out of crime. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, HRT. <laughs> this one's for you. <laughs>